And I feel like when they get here, they're ready to engage. And I know you talked about becoming a Titan means engaging. And that's, that's really what our kids do. Hello, Titan family, and welcome to Fram and Friends. Our next guest has had many interesting meetings with Fram, from marching into his office with a 60-member vocal group to teaching the president how to sing barbershop on the fly. If the next hour is even half as fun as either of those events, you're in for quite a podcast. Here to introduce that guest and take it away is your host and president, Fram Virgie. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, Happy New Year. It's great uh, great to talk to you, and uh, it's great to be here. Uh, I actually am really glad at what I can say is it's great to be here with my friend, uh, Chris Peterson, uh, something I wouldn't have been able to say about two years ago, two and a half years ago, Um, and it is uh, a special thing uh, for me to say that. Uh, Dr. Peterson uh, is uh, looms large in our uh, uh, in our uh, school of music, uh, directing uh, our choral groups, and uh, is the uh, uh, part of the creative energy behind everything that goes on there. Chris, it's really glad to be happy here. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. So um, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. I don't think I can start anywhere else than how how we actually met the first time, or at least the first time that I remember. And uh, Matt alluded to it. I was walking on uh, um, uh, on campus, as I like to do, and it was very early on. I'd only been here for a couple of weeks, and someone told me to go up to the Student Success Center for the uh, uh, for CODA, and I met a young man who... Um, Alex Jacobson, Alex if I remember. Jacobson, yeah. yep. And uh, he told me that he had to leave. We were having a conversation. He had to leave because he had to go to practice. Uh, and I said, oh, are you an athlete? He said, no, I have to go to choral practice. And I said, oh... <laughs> Well, tell me about that. And he told me that uh, he was uh, in uh, the uh, Fortin Choral Group and um, that uh, they were actually practicing because you were about to leave on a tour to go to Northern California. Correct, correct. And uh, I, I said, oh, man, when are you leaving? And I think you were leaving the next day or in the next couple of days. He said, but we have rehearsal right now. You can come and uh, listen. And I said, well, I, I don't know uh, what I'm doing because I have no idea ever what I'm doing. But <laughs> here's my message. Here's my uh, uh, phone number. Text me where the practice is going to be and I'll come. And he texted me as I was in the middle of a meeting. Uh, and I thought, oh, man, there's no way I can go. And I wrote back saying, I'm going to miss it. I'm so bummed. I really wanted to come. Uh, I was in a meeting with uh, uh, Pastor Whitlock, Pastor Whitlock yeah. from CORE right. and uh, with Martha Daniels, who's a CEO of a a company and honor foundation. And all of a sudden I got a knock on my door and my uh, executive assistant, Sandy, said, uh, there's a choral group in your conference room. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, what? She said, yeah, they said you wanted to hear them. And I said, well, I'm thinking there's probably 15, 10, right. 15 people. Right. I said, well, don't leave them in the conference room. Have them come on down. And oh, then we started pouring in. I do remember that moment. Yeah. So what is it? Fifty-five, sixty people. Uh, we were, I think, sixty-five then. Oh my gosh! And they all poured into my office, um, which is a relatively large office in terms of it was crowded, but we got we all made it. In all there. made it in, and uh, proceeded to li- uh, literally blow me away with. Uh, I think you guys sang three or four songs, uh, a couple of spirituals. Yep. Um, and then Pastor Whitlock, uh, we were all in tears. Uh, Julie was there, and uh, literally, uh, Martha and, and Mark, uh, Mark Whitlock and I, and Julie, we were all crying because it was so moving. I think maybe it was partly because that space was so small, and he filled mm. it so amazingly. Mm. Uh, and then I remember 
uh, Pastor Whitlock uh, stepping up and saying, I want you to know something. I'm the pastor for the largest uh, AME church in Orange County. Uh, I grew up with those spirituals, and I've never heard them sung more beautifully. Uh, yeah. That made me cry even more. But that was the beginning, as they say in Casablanca, of a beautiful relationship. <laughs> Absolutely. I think It Got Time to Die was one of the ones we sang that day. And Herman Hope started, Lord, I keep so busy praising my Jesus. And then the choir comes in. Yeah. So it was busy. Herman, too. He's amazing. That. He is amazing. So, yeah, I, I remember that day. Um, Alex came up to me. Now, what we were doing is we we're going on a tour of California. We we're going to visit lots of schools and universities and then sing at the convention of the California Music Educators. Yeah. And uh, in order to make that work, I thought, let's bring the choir around campus and sing outside and, you know, and in, inside little spaces and, and way far away from each other just so that they weren't used to just hearing what they always hear in the choir room. It's a good thing to do. Uh, it also showed them uh, that they had more work to do on some songs when they couldn't carry it, when they couldn't he you know, hear what they always used to hear. So that was a really good thing to do. So that was our plan that he told me about. But I remember him coming back and saying, um, I just saw President Virgie today, and they might want us to go sing for him <laughs> over across the street. Yeah, and I said, goodness, really, yeah. really? And then I think I got a text maybe yeah. from Matt. Yeah. Uh, and sure enough, so I announced to them, I said, we might be leaving at any time. I said, we'll, we'll follow our regular plan, but, uh, but if, if the time comes, we're going to go over and sing for the president. And they thought that was the greatest thing. I did, too. Yeah. Didn't know what to expect, but uh, I have to say it, it's a day I'll never forget. Well, you know, uh, Julie filmed the whole thing, put it on YouTube, mm -hmm. and um, I can't tell you the number of people who um, have told me that they watched that, and even on YouTube, that it makes them tear yeah. up. Mm -hmm. yeah. It changed the space. So I've told Fram this. Every time I walk in that office, since then... It feels like a different place. It has that, that it, vibe. Permanent yep. change of yeah. space. Mm -hmm. Sound has a powerful uh, ability to do that. You know, it's very subtle, but, you know, even back to, uh, to Yogi's chanting and this kind of thing, you know, sound, sound moves people, and, and a lot of people singing together is very moving. So, Chris, that's a perfect um, segue into my first question, which is um, it is so obvious to me that music is not just integral to your life, it's knit into your soul. Uh, For sure. When did you know that? How did you know that? And when did you surrender? You know, um, there are pivotal moments in everyone's life, and sometimes you can recognize them when they happen. Other times you have to look back and you say that was a moment. And it's hard for me to remember which this was. But I, I grew up in a musical family. Uh, my grandmother was a Juilliard voice major back in the early 1900s, and her husband after the Depression, became a hairdresser, but he was a violinist in the Hartford Symphony. Grew up in New England. And um, my father's father sang in the Winterberg Singers, which was a Swedish singing group. Uh, my mother was a professional dancer. So it's in your DNA. So there's some of that. So we were sung to as kids in the crib by my grandmother. Um, but I ended up playing clarinet in fourth grade, and then I became a percussionist in fifth grade. And you I, still play the drums. I know that. I was I at still, your house. That's right. And you have your new drum set. And I still play the drums. And I played all the way through college. I played um, in the orchestra and the band and everything. But I started singing in choir when I was in middle school, I think, maybe maybe um, right around middle school. And then so when I got to high school, I was a band kid who sang in the choir. And choir never really was the biggest part of my life. We had a jazz choir, a state championship jazz choir that I was in. But it wouldn't make me want to be a music teacher or be part of that. It, it was fine. But then 
I had a chance to make the, the main Allstate chorus. And I went and spent uh, four days singing with 250 other kids from around the state. And if you've, it was the first time I'd ever been in a 250-voice choir, you know, with 45 people singing my part. And just, again, we talked about the power of sound. I was engulfed in the sound, and then there was this person who I'd never seen before, the conductor, that shaped our time for those four days. And I went to that uh, experience three out of the four years that I was in high school. And it was wanting to be that mm. facilitator mm. that made me become a music teacher. Makes perfect sense. You know, um, uh, there are certain things in my life that are um, essential to living, mm. as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned. Um, dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I could not live without, the, obviously, Julie. But uh, I had to say that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um uh, uh, literature, uh, fiction. I, yes. have to, I have to have fiction. Um, and music. And in particular, not just music, but harmony. Mm. Um, I remember being a, a, a very young kid, probably six, seven, eight years old, and listening to my uncle play the guitar mm. and sing. And because I was just a little kid, um, I could be in front and put my ear right next to the guitar and hear his voice wow. and hear the joining of the music from the guitar and his voice. And I always thought that was the perfect harmony until I started hearing choral groups sing. Mm-hmm. For me, there is nothing more magical and um, pure um, and uplifting than the intertwining, the inter change the, the connection of, of human voices singing uh, together. Praise uh, music especially, mm-hmm. but any kind of music. Um, and I experienced that so much since I've got here. Yeah. Uh, which is, it, it's been one of my great delights. Well, we've been so honored that you've been uh, attending things. And, and you support the whole campus. But we've never felt the kind of support where at any time, we, we know that you and Julie might be at a concert. Absolutely. You know? Wouldn't miss it. Yeah, Wouldn't miss it. Amazing. You know, uh, it made me think about how I was trained uh, as an undergrad as a band director and a choir director. So I could have chosen to kind of gone uh, instrumental or choral. And I taught for nine years in the public schools as a choir director. Um, and I think the reason for that goes back to what you just said, is that I liked working with instrumentalists, but the idea that you're working with people made a big difference to me. You know, they are the instrument. You can't just blow through something and put your fingers in a certain place and get a sound. People have to breathe. They have to create something that is already a part of who they are as a human being. And there's no getting around that. So you really have to teach the human being when you're teaching singers. Um, Not that you don't uh, teach human beings, obviously, when they're holding a saxophone. But you you see the subtle difference in this. You know, uh, I've always said, I tell the concert choir, I can hear when a choir doesn't like itself. If there's infighting in the choir or people are mad at each other, they don't make as beautiful a sound. So we spend a lot of time trying to make sure that people get along and that they, they have 100% that they can give from their humanness, right? And that's, that's kind of good work. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I feel compelled to share a short story even though it may not be of interest to anybody except me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested. Uh, I was in, uh, my best friend in the world, my... Uh, godfather to my kids and uh, best man at my wedding. Uh, We grew up together, and uh, uh, his parents were from Pennsylvania, Mm. from out in in rural Pennsylvania, and they grew up singing. Um, And so 
uh, Friday nights, uh, he and I and his sister was a beautiful, uh, had a beautiful voice. We would go out to dinner with them and we'd get in the car and we'd drive around and we'd sing. Hmm. And they sang um, all the old, what you call, what you and I would know as Mitch, Mitch Miller sing-along sure. songs, right? Sure. The old standards. Yeah. And that's where I really learned um, the sound of harmony. Uh, and uh, my buddy Mike's dad, his, who's just like my own father, just passed away uh, a couple months ago. Um, and uh, it was so poignant for me mm. to know that that is the person. He taught me so much in my life, but yeah. that is the person that raised that. And Mike's son sang Danny Boy at his funeral mm. and knocked us all out of the park. I bet that was beautiful. So what music can do is just mm-hmm. incredible. It creates those moments that, that you remember for your whole life. You, know, yep. you can't plan for them, and then boom, they happen. Yep. And you go, wow. It brings a lot of meaning. Yeah, and your your groups have brought a lot of me. Every time Fram goes, he comes back to the office. He's like, oh, you got to see this. And then he'll go out in the community and tell everyone about this steeple of excellence that you and Dr. Eistad uh, have built. What what about these students is so special, and why is it that our College of the Arts is doing some of the greatest work in this arena uh, nationally? Well, part of it comes down to uh, we just had an exhibition open for the 60th year of the School of Music or for the Department right. of Music. Right. Um, it was one of the first two buildings on campus. And so we've had just a lot of time in the saddle, you know. Um, so there's a little bit of maturity that happens there. Also, they've been committed to hiring really good people over the years. Um, after When I applied to Cal State Fullerton, I used to work at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee before this time. And uh, I didn't realize all the famous names of people I had studied and learned about that taught at Cal State Fullerton. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, it was pretty amazing that way. So they've been committed to, to really good people. But I think that it comes down to uh, creating a culture across our school of music of belonging. And I think it has to do with our student across the campus. So what do I mean by that? I think we have the greatest students ever. And part of that is that I think when they get to Cal State Fullerton, they've often fought a lot of battles already in their life. They may have come through community college. They may be the first person in their, in their family to go to college. They may have realized some dreams after being out in the world for a while that they, that they want to follow. And I feel like when they get here, they're ready to engage. And I know you talked about becoming a titan means engaging. And that's, that's really what our kids do. And so we create a situation where they know we care about them as, peop- about them as people. And we let them uh, explore that, that passion. I think the word entitlement sometimes is sort of a, a nasty word that we talk about at some universities where kids just feel like, you know, I'm, I'm paying for you and, and dance for me kind of a thing. And I don't get that feeling from our kids at all. They're sort of like, I want to learn from you. What are we doing today kind of a thing? Hmm. Does that kind of make yes. sense? Sort of a roundabout Beautiful. way of saying our kids are, are great and they, they don't seem entitled at all. They just really want to work hard and, and they love the fact that they're here. They feel like they've already triumphed. Hmm. Yeah, amazing because, <clears throat> you know, my next question to you was going to be about exactly that. And that was about music as a vehicle for building community because uh, that is exactly what it does. If you look anywhere where music is the center of what is done, there is a community that builds around it. It can be a symphony orchestra or classical music. It can be jazz. It can be uh, rock and roll. It can be a band. It can be a choral group. Um, 
and it becomes the common denominator that attracts, retains, and around which everyone uh, 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 surrounds, uh, it surrounds it uh, and, and uh, uh, rotates. And what I see with music, which is so beautiful, and what I see with music on our campus in particular, is it is an equalizer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really you know, is. I, you know, we went to Spain together with our university singers yes. uh, last and summer, Rob and Rob. And if you look at that group of kids, because they're kids to me, just like I think they are to you, yep. they are every size, mm-hmm. every shape, yep. every color of the rainbow, every um, gender, every gender orientation, every sexual orientation, come from every different walk of life, and um, you say. How did that happen? How, how are they? <laughs> how do we get? How do we have so place? much yeah. discord in the world and yet such perfect uh, harmony? And I'm purposely using discord yeah. and harmony um, in that group. That's music. That's, that's how it works. It's an amazing thing. Uh, like you, I like what you said. Music is a great equalizer because everybody has some capacity to enjoy or perform music, and in my opinion, everybody can do both at whatever level they can do it at. And so uh, you have to create a culture where everybody is welcome, and we do that pretty well. It goes back to that other question, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we think that it's for everybody. And there's two, two things come to mind. When I was a high school teacher, I remember my principal coming in and, and uh, doing an evaluation of me, and he, he was a real uh, kind of a jock kind of guy, and he wasn't really into choral music. But uh, his main thing that he said to me on the way out is, how do you get all these kids in the same room? He said none of these kids would ever take a class together, and here they are doing something important where it's bigger than them. And I said, well, that's what we do here. You know, we have, we have a mission that's bigger than any one of these people. Um, and, and the second part of that uh, simply has to do with the idea that music, again, teaches the soul. And so when you get together with people and you're not trying to outdo each other, but instead you're trying to work together, much like a team, but of course, the arts doesn't have a game winning at the end. It's just sort of a, it's either more expressive or less expressive, and that's kind of an exciting journey. Um, then uh, it's easy to kind of get people onto the same page. Another thing is that we sing text, and text is so different than you know being in an orchestra where you don't have text. Um, a text can really bring out emotions in people and can really can really move them to tears. You were talking about literature, um, and I find that uh, being in a choir lets us experience some of that. Talk about the text, but also uh, give it legs and communicate it to people. Absolutely. Um, I was at a conference not long ago, and uh, one of the people from the L.A. public schools was talking. It might have been the superintendent or one, one of the high-up administrators. And he said that we're not competing against the private schools. He said we're not competing against homeschools. Oh, he said we are competing against homeschools. He said, we want to put things in our programs that kids have to come to be with other kids to do. And he said, the arts totally do that. Mm -hmm. You can't be at home by yourself and sing in a choir. You can sing a solo. (laughs) But once you get people in a room doing something together, there's something that happens that just can't be done alone. Mm -hmm. So he said, you know, his his real challenge is to get kids thinking that they don't just sit at their computer to get a high school diploma, but that they engage with other people. Well, that's equally true 
in a real comprehensive university setting as well. Indeed. You know, uh, there's so much talk about online universities, and it's that, it's that collective experience that's really important. You know, you said two things that really resonated with me. <coughs> One is um, the collective gathering. Uh, you can have uh, people that sing solos and sing by themselves, and that can be fun. Yeah. But music as a team sport mm. is the ultimate. Yeah. It is really, really something. And then uh, when you talked about text being, you know, being able to, mu- uh, music in, for its own purposes can send a message. I mean, you can listen to Beethoven um, or an instrumental and, you, and with no words, and you know generally. Correct. Uh, it, it moves you, but you don't know why. Correct. But text can move you to tears so quickly. Yep. Um, I remember. Uh, when we were in Spain, I mean, uh, you and I both know we sat there and listened to these kids. They were touring Spain and singing in the cathedrals of Spain. Mm-hmm. And I bawled at every concert. I heard them sing these songs over and over again, and it didn't matter. I still cried. Um, I cried, too, and I'd heard them a lot more times. Yeah, and, but, but, <laughs> but I will tell you something interesting. Uh, I, don't, I haven't mentioned this to anybody before. You guys did a... a uh, when you organized the t- the tour, you did an amazing thing. We were going to Spain, yep. where a lot of people don't speak English, and we were singing songs also in German. Um, so we brought the text of what was being said, and you and while the audience was listening, they could read and and, yep. and know what was going on. The translation in Spanish. Right. And I don't know if you ever noticed, but I was. Uh, I, I made myself aware of the people who were listening and reading oh, wow. and the difference in the reaction. Mm. I mean, some people just listened because it's beautiful and they and they were mesmerized by the sound. And it was easily to, easy to do that. But the people that read the text, they were the ones mm-hmm. who were moved to tears. They were the ones who were overwhelmed with emotion by mm. what was being said yeah. and sung. Uh, so you're so correct on that. And some of it was pretty heavy, you know, the little match girl passion, yeah. you know, about this little girl who who basically freezes to death uh, from neglect outside. Yeah, you know, and what what's so beautiful about music is hearing that those pieces over and over again, feeling like you heard them for the first mm-hmm. time. I think that's why you you hear something else in it, like a good painting. If you look at it long enough, you keep seeing something different. A good book, you read it again, and it hits you differently. Uh, a great meal, you might taste something different. You know, that's that's true art. You're right, of course, that every time they sang it, I got something different about Mm -hmm. it. But I will tell you, I also had another experience, and that is the more they sang it, uh, the more I heard them sing it, the more I felt like I was tucking myself into a warm blanket Mm. where I was uh, comfortable and it was accessible and it it became a part of me and it warmed me more each time as Mm. well. You know, it's like... Uh, we all have those favorite albums from when we were mm-hmm, young, and mm-hmm. you can put them on now, and you know every word, you know every note, yep. and it's this feeling of uh, invincibility and warmth and belonging. Mm-hmm. And the more I heard those songs, the more I got that. Yeah, you know, I want to shout out to uh, my wonderful colleague, Dr. Robert Eisdad. He was you know, amazing, he was the conductor of those um, those concerts because it was the university singers. I direct our concert choir, the large mixed, and he does the small mix. And we don't share any kids except for the graduate conductor. Uh, our program is um, pretty comprehensive, so kids only sing in one choir, right? right? Um, it gives them a chance to uh, do more with their uh, vocal work and to focus on other things where sometimes in other universities they might sing in five choirs because they just don't have enough kids to do it. But here we have uh, 
110 voice majors, so we have a lot of kids singing in the choirs. Um, so uh, Rob does the uh, the small mixed university singers, and they're our flagship group. They, you know, if if someone's going to travel, they definitely go, um, and have been at the national conventions and have sung all over the world. And uh, partly what made those performances so compelling is how he continued to motivate those kids to sing at a high, high over level. And over and over. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we know they got a lot of sleep. <laughs> Not, right? And yet, in every, in every concert, you would never know, yeah. you know that they had four hours sleep because he, yeah. he's just, uh, just an amazing colleague, an amazing musician, amazing yeah. teacher. Don't, don't uh, you're being uh, a little uh, self-deprecating here. You were involved in helping and, and, and tuning and... Uh, perfecting them along the way as well. And there were some moments in there. And, and that's one, why you, Rob, working together are so mm-hmm. amazing. Correct, correct. One thing I, I will take credit for is um, uh, when students come in during university, they, they often will go into the treble chorus and the, and the TTB chorus, our Titan voices and our singing Titans. Now we've renamed them from men's and women's to be gender neutral. And, uh, and then they'll sort of progress oftentimes into my choir, and then some of them, it's sort of a pyramid so that fewer kids can go will be in Rob's choir. But as I look across the university singers, I see almost all the kids have, have sung for me too. So as they progress through, I feel, um, like Alex Jacobson's would be a good example. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I see those kids in there and I think, yeah, they were, they sang for me too. Their, their poise under pressure too is just astounding. Like when they go sing for Spielberg and John Williams and, and they, they just deliver like they always deliver. Do you see that carry over into other parts of their academic career or their lives, that confidence to be able to go in a room and just A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yep. Yep. They just find we, – we treat them as professionals, and we try to let them know that, you know, they have to behave certain ways. They have to be hundred percent prepared. They have to be good people. Um, they have to be kind to people. These are all things that we ask them to do now because we know that you'll teach the way you were taught. We know that you'll kind of behave the way you've been reinforced. So they do. So they go out uh, into the world. They prepare for their auditions, and um, they sing with the Civic Crowd, the John Alexander Singers. Uh, they'll sing all over town. And they're going uh, to Carnegie Hall. And we're going to Carnegie Hall. Yeah, we leave next Thursday mm-hmm. on a red eye. We go to New York City, and then we're going to be singing uh, on Monday, February 17th. And um, I'll be conducting the Howard Hansen Song of Democracy, which is a really cool piece uh, with full orchestra. And, uh, and Rob Isaac will be conducting the uh, Bernstein Chichester Psalms is also another major work uh, in the repertory and uh, yeah it'll be really really a fun time so I'm sure that the folks that are listening to this I'm hoping that uh, lots of Titans are listening lots of students are listening and there are very and there are, are I am quite confident a large number of them that love music and love to sing but say to themselves I'm a bio major right. or, uh, I'm an engineer or I'm a political science major um, education is uh, at Cal State Fullerton is more than just your major, mm-hmm. is more than even classroom activity. It's our co-curricular activities. So speak to some kids uh, about opportunities here to come and sing. Absolutely. Um, if they're not, their goal isn't to sing in a professional choir for the rest of their lives. Right, right. You know, we have lots of offerings. Uh, our university singers and our concert choir are audition choirs. So at the beginning of each semester, we hold auditions for those. And primarily voice majors and, and maybe some other music majors get in. But we have some students across the campus who have just maybe sung in choirs their whole life, and they try out for those groups, and they, they can get in. Uh, but our Titan voices and our singing Titans, our TTB choir 
and our SA, SSA choir, they're open without audition to anyone on campus. Mm. And so... And um, they're amazing. And they're amazing, and they sound great. And, they and, just had a concert, and I went, and it was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And, and people will think, well, I don't read music. And I always say, well, it doesn't matter because I'm a teacher, and I'll teach you how to read music. Well, I don't have a lot of experience doing it. That doesn't matter. Come in, and they suddenly realize there are people who have done it for a long time next to people who haven't done it for very long. And a campus this size, we should probably have 400 people that would sing in our TTBB choir, our Singing Titans, mm-hmm. Uh that would be interested. I know they're out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. That group usually hovers between 30 and 40 members. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering where are those other 340? Out there singing a cappella in the hallway somewhere. Yeah, they could be. Yeah. So how do they find you? I think well, all they have to really do is um, either go to the School of Music yeah. and look at our ensembles over there or just look for uh, MUS406M, which is our TTBB singing, okay. singing titans. Uh, and I think uh, it's MUS406W is our uh, SSA choir. Um, they're all taught by, I, I mean, I do the uh, the men's chorus, as it were. And then Professor Carol Aspling does the women's choir. Who is wonderful. She's wonderful. Yeah. And so uh, there might be something online that says you have to audition for those choirs. And it's on my agenda to go make sure that I take that away mm-hmm. because I think that could be keeping some kids away. And I think the other thing is we just want to get out and sing across campus more. Yep. Absolutely. That's something I've been wanting to do. So, uh, you know, one of my goals, of course, is uh, not only to um, attract students to Cal State Fullerton, but to have our students uh, be retained here and graduate and be successful. Um, It's my experience that uh, our students who sing in the choirs are the ones that uh, get good grades, Mm -hmm. uh, who uh, come back semester after semester, and graduate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is really a uh, not just a bolt-on, but it is essential to education, yeah? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? You know, I, I think we're just talking about this today in the methods class, the, the, the classroom training teachers that are going to go out and be student teachers next year. And we've been talking about music philosophy. And one of the things that came up is um, meaning, uh, finding meaning in your life or just sort of living your life. Mm. And so, you know, they all have stories about maybe their parents wanted them to go and, and be, and I was actually just talking to a kid this past weekend, and he said, my parents want me to be a veterinarian. He goes, but I want to be in music. And I said, well, I said, you could do either one. I said, you have to kind of follow your heart, but there's going to be a point at which your life is going to have meaning for you, or you're just going to be living your life. And so, no matter which way you go, try to choose something where you feel like you're creating meaning where you're you have a reason to be there and I sold them a little bit on music because I think you know um, having any kind of free time that people have should be done in meaningful ways and I think singing in a choir or, or doing music singing a cappella with your friends singing barbershop harmony finding a way to have a meaningful um, hobby does enhance one's life regardless of what they're doing mm-hmm. uh, for, for their living and I don't think everybody should be a music major, but there are people who could not not be a music major because it's just in their DNA, like we talked about at the beginning. And so, um, yeah, you know, I think if you have never sung in a choir, you should try it and just see if it's your thing, right? And and people who have, um, you know, I sing barbershop harmony as a hobby. On Wednesday nights, I'll be there tonight with the Masters of Harmony in Santa Fe Springs. And I've met people throughout my life who started singing barbershop harmony as a hobby, who were, let's say, they were a plumber or an electrician or something. 
and it doesn't matter what their age was, I said, I wish I had learned, I wish I found this earlier. They might be 70. How come I didn't know about this earlier? They might be 25. I wish I knew about this earlier. And I always want to say, it's, it's never too late. It's never right. too late. And I'm so glad you found it, yeah. right? So, you know, finding a way to, to have meaningful hobby time and be with other people in it, because everything relates to everything. We come back to that. Being with other people and doing something that's greater than the sum of the parts is huge. And it's, there's not one way to do it, but music is a way to do it. So uh, a couple of uh, podcasts ago, I had uh, Tam Wynn uh, on as one of my guests. He's uh, on our foundation board. He's a wonderful friend and a wonderful guy from Vietnam. Uh, and he, he shared um, an interesting thing. Uh, he has three uh, young kids, and he decided to put together a family motto. Mm. A family uh, mission statement. Mission yeah. statement. Wow. Um, and so I'm putting you on the spot here. Okay. So, Chris, if when someone was going to ask you, what's your uh, personal mission statement or personal motto? Uh, you know, you you you've touched on it in, in talking about community and mm. uh, the sum being greater than the parts. What is it? I would say my mission statement goes back to what we were talking about, about that Allstate conductor that changed my life, those Allstate conductors in the 250-voice choir. I want to change lives for the better. I want someone to interact with me and feel better about it, make different choices that make their life better. That's my mission statement. So whether it's just talking to someone over coffee or now that I'm the person in front of that 250-voice Allstate choir, you know, it, it means so much to me when, when, when kids come up to me uh, in an honor choir. This is just a sh you know, like an all-state choir. And they say, I've, I've never experienced anything like this. I feel like I'm different. I, I don't know what's happening, but I'm having such a good time. And I just say, that's great. Hold on to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I bubble inside. Yeah. So that's my mission, I think, is to change lives. I love it. Well, and you're changing more than just those students' lives. Because when, I, when Megan came in and sang that part for mm. our uh, convocation video. Right. She changed me. Yeah. And I, when she opened her mouth, I was like, I can't believe she's walking around in the world with that gift in her. And I had no idea. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is there are other students walking around with gifts like that and don't even know it. That's right. And that's what's so cool about what you're saying is finding those people, helping them find it. Yeah. Part of the software that runs under that mission statement is my belief that everyone can sing. Now, part of it is research. And my, my dissertation was on the self-perception of singing ability. And I know that everybody can sing if they have a teacher that helps them. Mm. Unless you have some sort of inner ear. If you're, if you're literally deaf, it's a little bit harder to sing on pitch. But um, everyone can sing. And, and about half the people walking around don't think they can. Mm. And so part of my mission is to get to those people and show them, you just ha haven't done it yet. You know, you haven't had a teacher. So I always like to ask people who say, oh, I can't sing. You know, if you meet them, meet them on the bus or something, you know, do you like to sing? Oh, no, I can't sing. How do you know? And it always says, well, someone told me. My wife tells me not to sing or whatever. Please. They always blame it on someone, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and what I tell them is the research shows that, first of all, your self-perception doesn't tell me anything. You might be great and you might not be great, but you, I'm not going to trust your opinion right now. And then I say, how many teachers have you had to help you sing? And, of course, they'll say none. But no one would ever play the piano without getting a, a teacher. They would say, oh, I'm taking piano lessons. Right. That's how I know but because we are the instrument, people think somehow you should be able to already figure out how to navigate that. You know? But uh, for about half the people out there, I, I want to see them try because I know they can do it. So, 
I don't know if this will be switching gears or not, but uh, who are your who are your heroes in your life? Who are, who are they? Are uh, living, uh, not living people you've met, not met? Who are the people that motivate you and move you, and why? Mm. That would be a, its own podcast, wouldn't it? Or maybe a couple bottles of wine. But, <laughs> maybe um, both next time. Yeah, there you go. That would be great. Um, I mean, we can go back to great, you know, people like Martin Luther King, and and um, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and and talk about that level of people who affect so many other people. Um, this sounds like such a kiss up, but I'm I'm a big fan of you, Fran. Oh, and and the reason I say that is. It seems like we sort of share our mission. It, you're, you're here as our president, but you don't have to be. You could be in Rwanda with your nonprofit, and you never really planned to be. No, that's but for sure. you're you're now fully invested in this, and it's so not about you. Anyone that does that, where they're motivated to do great things, but it's not a self about them. Uh, they're my heroes. I think about my dad. I think about other teachers on this campus. That choir director. Yeah. That choir director, yeah, who was in front of me. And so um, they're big heroes. Uh, I think Barack Obama, I think of him as also someone who, whether or not she liked his politics, I think he was really in it for the best of the country. Um, right now, I think Adam Schiff is stepping up in a way that I feel is a courageous, mm-hmm. that's selfless mm-hmm. in many ways, whether you agree with uh, with his politics or not. Um, there's a guy who teaches at the Westminster Choir College. His name is Joe Miller, and he's the closest thing to what I sort of what I do. And I, I often will call him my hero because he's such a great teacher, and he uh, is a, a musician of the finest caliber, training the greatest choir mm-hmm. singers in the country. Yeah, one of the things that has um, amazed me since I started this job, if you had asked me that question three years ago. Um, my answers would have been, you know, I, I, I'm an RFK uh, guy. He's he, he 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 moved and motivated and molded me. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. Um, I'm a big Lincoln uh, person, um, and I would have chosen some other my, my father and other people in my life, all people who I aspire to be like. Yes. And um, if you ask me that question right now. Um, the the because I asked it to you and I thought to myself what would I say right now right and then immediately students jumped to mind mm-hmm. isn't that something mm-hmm. immediately um, uh, these amazing amazing men and women uh, who have overcome and are overcoming and are getting ready to change the world yeah. Uh, this is an amazing place, a laboratory, uh, where we are equipping these already uh, prepared people to do mm. to, to to literally change the world. Yes, I believe it. Yep, I believe it. One encounter, one face-to-face conversation at a time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I got 40,000 heroes. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Which is so amazing. Mm-hmm. I never would have thought that would have been the case. Mm-hmm. Never would have thought. Now, people doing good work uh, ripples forward. It's one of the things that people ask me about being a teacher. Why do you want to be a teacher? And I said, because every time you leave someone better, they go 
find someone else to make better. Mm-hmm. It's the best way of paying it forward. Yeah, it does. It ripples out. And uh, one other thing, too, um, is that when I'm in a choir rehearsal, we always try to create a safe space, and we don't let kids get on each other. What they do on their own time is up to them, but that's sort of a a zone where, where just um, the norms of behavior are very, very important. If you think about that, that doesn't happen as much in our society anymore with the sort of div- divisions of, of mm-hmm. politics and everything else. And so um, I like to think of the idea where we get a lot of bad news if you listen to the news, but when we're in choir rehearsal, there's no bad news. Mm. <laughs> and how often can you do that for mm-hmm. two hours, you know? So you could do this anywhere, Chris. Um, why Fullerton? You know, um, people have asked me, because I'm sort of in the mid to later part of my career, uh, where do you want to go after this? And and my thought is, I don't really think I want to go anywhere. I have a chance to work with some of the greatest kids. We talked earlier about how many voice majors. We are a major mm-hmm. uh, music school, right? Absolutely. And um, uh, so I get to work with great kids, and I get to work with Dr. Rob Eisdad, who is also, I think, a, he should be in my hero list for so many reasons. He's on mine. Yeah. And um, and I get to do what I love to do. You know, the larger the university, the more specialized. Mm-hmm. And so I love that I get to direct two wonderful choirs and I get to train teachers. And that and my passions are there. So if I went somewhere else, my job would have to change a little bit. I might have different responsibilities. Um, and there's nothing about my job that I don't like. Mm-hmm. So I would stay here. And then the other thing is my wife uh, is a choir director. She teaches at Irvine High School. Tina Peterson, she's absolutely wonderful, and we just love living in this part she's of the country. She's your way better half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, we both married up, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, typical Titan, you're, you're very humble, um, even when you talk about your hobbies, because you said you do barbershop as a hobby. Mm-hmm. And when we did our, our holiday video, I mentioned it to my mother-in-law who does Harbor Lights, and she's, you know, she loves barbershop. And and she said, oh, well, who, who's running point on that? And I said, Chris Peterson. And she goes, oh, I know who that is. I'm like, oh, you know Chris? She goes, no, I don't know him, but I know who he is. He's a big deal. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> That's awfully nice to say. Barbershop is, uh, I know it's a passion for you, but it's just amazing to listen to it. I just love it. Uh, it's just quite something. It's cool. The group that I sing with were um, nine-time champions of the Barbershop Harmony Society, which means uh, nine times we've beat all the other groups around mm-hmm. the world. And uh, in a group like that, if you win one year, then you have to take two years off. <laughs> so nine wins in 30 years is pretty good. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Fantastic. That's Dude, why okay. she's heard of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And, I, and I'm also a, uh, someone that travels around the world, too, coaching, and, and I've been a judge for a long time. So that's part of it, too. Yeah. Well, you saved us on the ho- – you and the students saved us on the holiday oh, video. Oh, it was great. So. Hey, I want to mention that holiday video because uh, we talked about that anyone can sing, and I love you talking about hearing the, gu- the guitar playing of your uncle, was it? Yeah. And that kind of thing. Uh, we had put together this idea of the holiday video, and, and we brought together these wonderful kids uh, from our school of music to do the quartet. And I knew that that Fram would be singing one of the parts. And I had never heard you sing. And I didn't <laughs> know if... And I, lucky man. <laughs> lucky man. <laughs> so I made sure that, uh, that I was kind of uh, singing along, you know, in the recording just in case. And I was so impressed with your singing voice and your ear. You know, you learn those parts, and... And you really didn't need need me there. Right? It was fun. We had a great time. We had a great time. So I know we're we're getting toward the end here, and I want to bring this full circle because uh, 
when uh, I made the introduction, I said uh, that I was pleased and proud that after two and a half years, I could introduce you as Dr. Chris Peterson, my friend. Yeah. Um, and so I want to I want to end on that piece and say, uh, as uh, as important and as essential and critical as music is, uh, for me, friendship is equally, if not higher, on the list. And I have a I have a sense that you we are kindred spirits on that front. And when you find someone who uh, you can feel that way about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like harmony. It's like music. Uh, I just wanted to see what you thought about that. Absolutely. I feel like a lot of uh, my mission statement, for example, I bet you have a very similar one. It may, it may have different words, but I bet it has the same foundation. Um, I'm, I'm so amazed uh, at how we connect in, in that I'm very passionate about our students, and I haven't met anyone that's quite so passionate until I met you. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that's that's absolutely true. I'm I'm so grateful that uh, that this university has had the foresight to to give you a chance to run things and see how it goes. And well, we're doing it together. Yeah, mm-hmm. we are it doing together. it together, and all and everyone across the campus too. Um, but I would say yes. I would say completely agree. And and to call you friend is a big honor. Yeah, absolutely, it's very special. And Chris, before we sign off, I know we talked about Carnegie Hall and those dates. Is there any other places that? Our listeners should be tuning in to, to see your, your groups perform. You know, uh, I can tell you one of the first concerts coming up where the concert choir and the university singers will be singing together uh, happens on, let's see here, you can see, see us in the uh, Clay's Collage concert, mm-hmm. and that is a performance that happens, I believe, 3 p.m. on Saturday, March 14th. Okay. Which is, and it's incredible. And that's where uh, students from across the School of Music uh, play that you can't applaud until the very end, and so it's a very interesting concert. Uh, the stage might, the lights come up, and you might hear our um, University Wind Symphony play a piece, and then before you can applaud, uh, the lights go down, and the lights go up on the back of the hall, and a, a flute duet, and then that comes down, and then a piano solo, and then the concert choir, and and this goes on for about an hour, and then at the end everybody can applaud. So it's a real feast for the ears, the the Clay's Collage concert. And then the university singers and the concert choir have a concert on Saturday, March 28th. And that's at 3 p.m. in Meng Hall. And there is a student discount. I think it's a $5 Titan discount. Um, And that's where you get to hear um, our mid-semester concert that we're preparing. Um, And this is a really special concert because both choirs prepare separately their own Mm -hmm. stuff. And then we come together and we're we're on one half and then university singers are on the other half. Um, I'd really recommend that concert. At the end of the year, we do a major works concert where we'll do the um, the Beethoven Choral Fantasy and some works by uh, Pam Madsen, who's on our faculty. Mm-hmm. That's a really cool thing, too. That's going to be Saturday, May 9th at 8 p.m. Uh, so those are kind of the major ones. And then our, our Titan Voices and our uh, Singing Titans, they also have a concert, and that uh, is it's the first Wednesday in May. Okay. And so I'll have to look and see exactly when that is. But uh, you can look for that. Cool. Yeah, 8 o'clock. Well, Chris has been, as I knew it would be, a great pleasure, lots of fun, uh, hanging out and talking. And uh, Likewise. Um, let's do it again with a bottle of wine next time. All right, that sounds good. Right, we'll buddy. call it Wine Chat. That's right. <laughs> Thanks so Chris. much. Thank you very, very much. Thank you for listening to Fram and Friends, a collaboration between Titan Radio and Cal State Fullerton. For more episodes like the one you just heard, visit titanradio.org.